All right, if you have your Bibles, Psalm 127 is where we're going to be this morning. Um, if you don't have a, a Bible with you, there should be one under the seat around you somewhere. You may have to like nudge your neighbor and say, hey, can you hand me that? Um, if you don't own a Bible or have access to one, when you leave this morning, if you stop by the info desk, just let somebody know, hey, I need a Bible. We'd love to put one in your hands. Uh, and I say that most weeks uh, because it's important that you see what I'm saying this this morning or any morning comes from the Bible. It's not just my own opinion or, or my own imagination, but it's really important this morning uh, because we are going to talk about a subject that I have uh, not fully mastered yet, not sure that I ever will. Okay, Actually, there's a lot of areas that I don't think I'll ever fully master, but especially this one, because uh, we're going to talk about raising children. All right? Okay, see... Uh, if you happened to be at Lone, not Lone Star, at Longhorn yesterday around lunchtime, you would know that I have not fully mastered raising my children, right? It was a bit of a mess in there. But um, anyways, Psalm 127. Um, listen, I don't have, I'm still in the, the, like the thick of raising children. Okay, some of you I know, I've got four kids, three, five, seven, and nine, uh, just little stair steps. and we, So we're like in the throes of this. And uh, generally speaking, you should not take advice on how to raise children from someone that has not raised children. Okay? Um, so I'm just saying that up front. I have not mastered this, right? But what I believe is that, that the book is sufficient, right, to tell us what we need to know in, in any area of life, right? But particularly when it comes to raising children. So we are going to get to it. Psalm 127 is where we're going to be at this morning. Just before we dive in, uh, a little bit of context. Uh, Psalm 127 is attributed to Solomon. Some of you guys know Solomon, King Solomon. Uh, when we think of the Psalms, oftentimes we think of David being the author to many of the Psalms, and he was the author to many, if not most, of the Psalms. Uh, this one in particular is attributed to David's son, Solomon, the wisest person not named Jesus to ever walk the earth. And so uh, I just finished reading through Proverbs and kind of my own Bible reading plan. Um, currently in the middle of Ecclesiastes. It's really encouraging. And um, some of the language, like I can attest, is, is similar between what Solomon writes in Proverbs and Ecclesiastes and what we see here in Psalm 127. And then the other thing I want to point out is in my Bible, I don't know what yours looks like, uh, right before verse 1, there's a little italicized text that says that this is a song or a psalm of ascents. Okay, and the reason I bring that up is because uh, that, that provides some context to this. This was a psalm that the Israelites would uh, sing and recite together as they ascended the hill towards Jerusalem, uh, as they would make their way back there for the uh, feasts and festivals every year. Okay, and the, the reason I bring that up is because, just generally speaking, anytime you take, like, you preach on a very specific, narrowed subject like raising children, there's a tendency to be like, well, I don't have children, or uh, I'm, just, I'm single, I'm not even, I'm not even married, uh, or my children are grown and they're out of the house, so this, so this doesn't apply to me. We're talking about raising children, but I don't have children, or my children have flown the coop, this has nothing to do with me. Right? And so what I want to lay before you is, is to kind of fight that urge to pull away because here, this psalm was saying by the community of Israel as they went back to worship 
uh, in Jerusalem. Right? This is not, like it was saying by the community, not just parents, uh, not just young families, but, but the, the community of Israel as a whole. And so what I'm saying is, is regardless of where you are on the spectrum, like single, no kids, don't want to have kids because you've seen how the pastor's kids act, okay? Or you've, right, your kids are, are grown and flown the coop and you're on your own. Regardless of where you fall, like I think there's a word for all of us here somewhere, all right? So with that intro, let's get to it. Psalm 127, I'm going to read it all, five verses, and then we'll spend the rest of our time talking about it, all right? Psalm 127, starting in verse 1. It says, Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. So I've got one big idea for you this morning, like one sentence. It's not very Baptisty because it, it's not like alliteration. I don't have three points. I've just got like... One sentence, and we're just going to spend the rest of our time talking about that. All right? So I'm going to read it verbatim so I don't butcher it. All right here. Big idea this morning that everything is going to fall under. Every good work, every good work that the Lord calls his people to happens in the tension between diligence and dependence. I know that was a lot. Some of you guys take notes. You're like, hold on, hold on, hold on. Right? Let me say it again. Every good work that the Lord calls his people to happens in the tension between diligence and dependence. Okay? That's true of every good work he calls us to. Right? Whether it's parenting, right? It happens between our diligence, our efforts, our striving, and, and depending on the Lord. Whether it's marriage, right? It happens in the tension between we pour into our marriage, we work on our marriage, but we're depending on the Lord to, uh, to, to give some growth in our marriage. It could happen in our spiritual journey, our, uh, our willingness to share our faith, right? We, we got to be diligent in that and, and disciplined in that, but we're also trusting the Lord, depending on Him to give growth. Every good work the Lord calls us to happens between diligence and dependence. And, and here's where I get that from. If you look at verses 1 and 2 again. All right, I'm not going to read them, but you can kind of refer back to them. There's, there's three like, sort of miniature illustrations in the first two verses uh, that kind of illustrate this point. Right? There's, in verse 1, you've got the building of a house or, or a home. You've also got uh, the, kind of the watching over a city, protection of a city. Uh, and then in verse 2, you see uh, it, it's a reference to sort of farming or growing food, like, like to eat. Okay? Uh, here's what all three of these things have in common. Building a home, watching over a city, planting and, and harvesting crops. Is that they all require diligence, hard work, labor, striving, effort on our part. But then they also require us to depend on the Lord. 
and all those things. Okay, so for example, to, to build a house, right, consider the context this is written in, ancient Israel. Right, to build a house required hard work, right, labor, diligence in your, your planning and your preparation, manual labor, okay? But then it also required you to depend on the Lord to provide the resources you needed, right? Home Depot wasn't around the corner in first century Jerusalem, right? You, you've got to depend on the Lord to provide the resources you need to build your home. The people that would help you build your home, you're dependent on the Lord even to, to physically build a house, okay? I think that could also refer to kind of metaphorically the, the building of a home, not just a physical structure, but a, but a family. But besides the point, right? To build a home requires your diligence and dependence on the Lord. Same thing watching over a city. Right, remember the, the context written to, the, the I think I said first century Israel. That's not true. This is before the first century ancient Israel. And so think about watching over a city. It requires diligence. You train and equip uh, guards and watchmen and, and warriors. Right? It takes diligence to stay awake, pay attention to what's going on when you're on duty. Right? But for the people of Israel, they also were dependent on, on the Lord because all throughout the Bible, almost all of Israel's enemies were bigger, stronger, more powerful than they were. Right? So you, you stay awake all night and watch over the city all you want, but, but if the Lord's not protecting you from this gigantic army that's coming your way, then all you're watching is for nothing, right? So you got diligence, hard work, dependence. Right, same thing with, with raising crops. Okay, you diligent, hard work to cultivate, prepare the soil, plant the seed, water the seed. But if the Lord doesn't depend, or if the Lord doesn't provide the uh, the sunlight, the water, the, the right climate, the right environment for that seed to grow, if, if the Lord doesn't give the growth, then, then all your diligence is for nothing. Right, so what I want you to see is that. All these things play out in this tension between diligence, our effort, and dependence on, on the Lord. All right, that was true in ancient Israel. And despite our illusions of self-sufficiency here in 2023, it's still true today. Right, any work that we're going to do of, of, of eternal significance is going to happen between the, the, the tension between diligence and dependence. But I would submit to you there's few, there are few places where this is more obvious than in raising children. Right? And this is, where, this is where Solomon goes to next. Look at verse 3. All right, we'll kind of walk. We'll spend the bulk of our time in verse 4, but, but we'll just hit verse 3 for a minute. It says, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb, a reward. So pause here for a minute. All right, before we even get to like the good stuff of verse 4, maybe you're here this morning and you just need to be reminded that children are a good gift from the Lord. A blessing. Right? And I, the reason I say that is not because, like, not because like, I, like I think you love your kids. Right? I, don't, I don't walk around here being like, oh man, they don't love their kids. Cool. You know? But listen, if we're honest... If we're honest, and this is church, I hope it's a place we can be honest. Have you ever had those moments where you're like, I thought the Lord loved me. He gave me these kids, and they're testing me, right? 
Anybody? You know? Like anybody ever had those moments? You're like, God, what have I done to deserve this? I call that bedtime. I mean, it's every night. Right? Every night. And so, but here we are, this gentle reminder from the Lord that, that children are a, a, a heritage. They're a gift. The fruit of the womb. They're a reward. Okay? And we don't have time to go into all of what that means because I want to get us to verse 4 pretty quickly. But I do want to say this very briefly is that one of the, one of the gifts of children is that one, God has a unique way of using our children to sanctify us, right? to, to show us just how sinful we are. Anybody? Anybody know that one? Like I'm, maybe you can tell, some of you guys know me, I'm fairly like laid back, kind of a goofy personality. I like to have fun. Right? That's just who I am. Never considered myself an angry person. And then I had kids. Right? And, and like I, I can still remember the first time that I like raised my voice towards my oldest. And I'm like, where did that come from? I didn't even know I had that in me. Right? And the Lord, review, the Lord uses our children to reveal like just how much we have to grow, just how far we have to go uh, as he continues to shape and form us. Right? So one of the, the reasons that children are a gift is he, the Lord uses them to, to sanctify us, to grow us, to reveal sin in our lives and our hearts that needs to be repented of. Okay? But then I would also say kind of on the, on the positive side, there is nothing, nothing that has kind of helped me understand the way the Lord loves me like having children. Because I told you, bedtime is a struggle in the Larkin household right now. I mean, I, I, just, do, I'm not, you know, I just do not look forward to it at all, okay? Some of your kids, maybe you're like, you're all sweet and you get to lay down next to them and I'm just like, I, I despise it, okay? But here's what happens. Mark it down. Every night and, and into the morning, I get frustrated at bedtime, reveals more about my own heart than my kids, to be fair. Uh, and we get them to bed, go to sleep ourselves, wake up the next morning. I, got, I go to sleep, I'm just like, oh, these kids. And then sure enough, mark it down. The next morning, I can hear footsteps coming down the stairs. And I'm like, oh, I cannot wait. Come, get in daddy's lap. Come here, come here. Right? <laughs> Is there any more clear picture of like the mercy of God that's new every morning than that? So our children are a gift, right? But anyways, that's not even the bulk of my sermon. I want to get us to verse 4 because here's where I want to spend most of our time. Verse 4, Solomon goes on. He says, like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. All right, so... According to Solomon, you've got uh, our children are like arrows and we are like warriors. Okay, there's some really sort of rich, deep uh, imagery here that I want to kind of spend some time un unpacking. So first, let's talk about arrows. All right, arrows are a weapon, right? The purpose of an arrow is to, right, you pull it back and you fire it off to, to inflict harm, damage to the enemy. That's why an arrow exists, right? 
So if we're talking about raising our children uh, as arrows, the, the idea is that we're raising, discipling, training our children to, and, and then purposefully, intentionally aiming them directly at the enemy right, to inflict damage. Right, that, that sounds a little different than like the kind of idea of parenting where it's like, let's keep our kids safe in a bubble over here. So, right, We're raising kids to, to go at the heart of the... And in context, what we're talking about here is we're talking about spiritual stuff. Right, our, our kids are... We're not raising them just to like sit on a shelf as trophy, like look how good I am as a parent. Right, we're raising our kids... Uh, by God's design, should be raising our kids to send them straight towards the heart of the enemy. Right? This is what, what, what our job is as God-fearing parents. And I heard, I heard a pastor say this several years ago, um, and it's just something that stuck with me, both because I'm in ministry and because I'm a parent. Uh, he said, your greatest contribution to the kingdom of God may not be something you do, but someone you raise. Isn't that like profound? I like, I'm in ministry, man. I've, I, I, I love to preach. I love to teach. I love to invest in other people. I want to see a church grown and, and built up and mobilized and sent out. And yet my greatest contribution to the kingdom of God may not be anything that I do at all. Right? We may, we may fast forward 15, 20, 30, 50 years from here. Nobody will remember a sermon that I ever preached. And what if my kids out there changing the world? Right? Your greatest contribution to the kingdom of God may not be something to do, may be someone you raise. Right? Our, our, think, think what an arrow does. Right? It, it, when you pull it back and you shoot it, you're sending that weapon far beyond anywhere you'll ever go. So as parents raising our children, our greatest contribution might be raising up a child and releasing him to go farther than we ever will. But I also spent eight and a half years in student ministry. And, and from my limited experience, I, I didn't see a lot of raising our children up to be weapons, to be shot at the heart of the enemy. Right, from my kind of eight and a half years working with middle school, high school students, kind of, kind of what I saw was a whole lot of raising our kids up so they would be uh, really good athletes, right? Invest thousands of dollars so they'll, you know, maybe have a 0.2% chance of playing in the major league someday, right? Or, or I'm going to spend all my, my, just invest all that I can so that my kid gets the right degree at the right college, goes to the right school, gets the right career, lives the American dream, and then if there's, any, if there's any time left over after that, if there's any uh, energy left over after that, then maybe we'll try and create some margin and, and invest in them spiritually. Now, I'm not saying that's a blanket statement, but, but in almost a decade ministering to, to students and families, that's what I saw a lot of. But if I'm reading my Bible correctly, what I see far and away is for us as the people of God is to train, equip, disciple, raise up our kids and prepare to launch them out to do war against the enemy. And that's our job.
And, you, and, and listen, that takes diligence. It takes hard work. It takes like, intentionality and purpose. Like, that doesn't just happen. It doesn't just happen. Right, listen to some of these verses in, kind of give you a, so I, my degree, one of my degrees is in family ministry. And there's a few like verses kind of that, that people would say like, these are the family ministry verses. So I'm going to read some of those to you. Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 7. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart, and you shall teach them diligently to your children with purpose and intentionality and consistency. Here's one we love, Proverbs 22.6. Train up a child in the way that he should go. And even when he is old, he will not depart from it. All right, train up a child. Training takes hard work. Training takes consistency. Training takes discipline. Training takes intentionality. Right? doesn't just happen by chance. Right, here's another one in uh, New Testament. In the book of Ephesians, chapter 6, verse 4, says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. Probably a word for me in that moment. But bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Right? Bring them up, or some translations would say, raise them up. Uh, Again, some, this, this translation says in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Some t- translations will say in the fear and admonition of the Lord. The, the point's the same, like to raise them, to, to train them, to bring them up. Like that's a, there's a, a purposeful uh, direction there. Right? You're, you're diligently pointing them in the right direction. Right? And, and it, all, it all takes diligence it all takes hard work. It takes striving. It takes consistency. Right? Diligence. So we're going to be diligent. This whole time, remember back to our statement, we're talking about the, the tension between diligence and dependence. It takes diligence to, to teach and train and equip and prepare our children. Right? Hard work. But it's not just diligence in preparing our, our kids. Because I would actually submit to you, but before that, we've got we've to take diligence in our own souls. All right, so uh, by, by way of an illustration, I am not an outdoorsman. I know that's shocking, given my rugged exterior. Okay? Um, growing up, I was more into sports and driving cars faster than they should be driven. And my brother, my brother was really into outdoors, fishing, hunting, all that kind of stuff. Uh, if we ever have a zombie apocalypse or anything like that, I'm going to hang out with him. Okay? Um, for the record, so you don't email me, I don't really believe in zombie apocalypses. Okay? Um, but, but he used to do all the hunting and fishing and all that kinds of stuff. And so uh, one time we were still living at, uh, at home together. I remember he had just got a new hunting bow. And he was going to let me shoot it. Um, never shot in a hunting bow. I'd seen him do it. He was very good at it. Right? He just pulled that thing back. Well, he's left-handed, so he'd pull that thing back and just, right, just, it was really good, really impressive. 
And so I don't know what possessed him to let me shoot his bow and endanger both of our lives, but uh, he decided to let me. I guess that's what happens when you're adolescent males, right? Um, so we go out in the field in front of my house, and um, like I said, he was really good at it and made it look really easy. If you've never tried to shoot a compound bow, not that easy, okay? First of all, like I said, my brother's left-handed, so I'm already at a disadvantage, okay? It's flipped over the wrong way. Uh, he was a southpaw, and so I've already got that, okay? And, and listen, these things are not easy to pull back. How many of you guys have shot a, a compound bow? A few of you, right? I mean, dude, like Bowflex got nothing on trying to pull one of those things back, right? And so not only am I like on the wrong hand, but my arms, believe it or not, were scrawnier then than they are now. And so like I've got this thing, and you've got this little wrist thing that goes on that attaches to the line, and you're trying to pull it back. And I'm just like, you know, just trying to get that thing. Like, how do I get this thing pulled back? And, and so I... I've almost got it, right? I've almost got it back. And so I'm just trying to get that last little bit. And in the moment, accidentally hit the trigger on the little thing, and that arrow just straight up in the air. There used to be a TV show called A Thousand Ways to Die, <laughs> which if you've never seen it, it would just highlight really absurd ways that people actually died. Uh, and if it weren't for the Lord's favor that day, we would have ended up on an episode of A Thousand Ways to Die. Because I'm not sure my brother ever found that arrow. Like, I, don't, I don't know where. You might be able to walk outside tonight and like, look up and see it orbiting. I don't, I don't know. But the reason I bring, bring that up, and I mean, it's a goofy story, but the condition of that arrow was meaningless in the hands of someone who had no idea what to do with it. I, mean, I, I, I was certainly not a warrior or an outdoorsman. Right? I, was, I was an incompetent individual with a sharp object. That's what I was. And, and, and here's, I mean, you see where I'm going with this. If, if our children are to be arrows that we raise up and teach and train and then shoot out like it requires that that we first be raised up and disciplined and discipled and trained and equipped but it, it starts like that the arrow is only as good as the in the warrior right you 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 and i as those entrusted with training and equipping and uh, raising up the next generation we will never be able to train our children unless we're, we've been trained ourselves. Right? We, you cannot equip your children if you've never been equipped yourself. You cannot entrust to your children. Deuteronomy 6, we just talked about. I'm going to reference it here in just a minute. You cannot entrust God's word to your children if you've never experienced it yourself. You cannot point your children in a specific direction if you're not pointed in that direction. So this, this whole idea of diligence, it's not only hard work and raising and uh, discipling and training our kids, but it requires like diligence in our own hearts. Right? Letting the, the, the Lord work in our, in our own hearts. Putting ourselves in position, whether it's being in the Word or being in, in community with other people or being a part of a church family. Like, 
takes diligence on our part if we're going to fulfill what the Lord has called us to do in raising the next generation. Right? Deuteronomy 6, I just referenced it. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. And it's only after that that he says, then teach them to your children. In other words, you've got to immerse yourself in this first before you'll ever be able to entrust it to someone else. There was a study done um, several years ago. It was a national study on youth and religion. And it took place, they followed, uh, followed these participants over several years uh, to kind of highlight what's the kind of what's the religious, like, like why are teens and adolescents the way that they are uh, when it comes to religion and, and spirituality? And here's what uh, one of those researchers said. Kind of this has been condensing and synthesizing like years and years and years of research. It says the religious and spiritual choices of American uh, adolescents echo with astonishing clarity, the religious and spiritual choices of the adults who love them. Lackadaisical faith is not young people's issue, but ours. Then he goes on and says, the solution to this sort of lackadaisical faith in adolescence lies not in uh, beefing up youth programs or making worship more cool and attractive, but in modeling the kind of mature passionate faith we say we want young people to have. In other words, every time we want to complain about kids these days and what's wrong with kids these days, maybe the first place we need to look is in the mirror because we've modeled something for them that either they're following or they've seen there's like, there's nothing, there's nothing enticing about that. What do I want anything to do with that? Right? before we can ever entrust it to our kids, it's got to be ours. Now, here's what I want to circle back around to this morning. Big idea, right? That every good work the Lord calls us to happens between diligence and dependence, right? We, we, we've talked a lot about diligence, the hard work that we invest in our kids, the hard work that we've got to do in our, in our own hearts. Um, but here's what I want to transition to the dependence, Okay? Because here's, here's what, go back to the illustration of a, of a warrior shooting an arrow, right? The warrior prepares himself, right? He's got his arrow in place, pulls it back, fires it away. But the second the arrow leaves his hand, you know how much control he has over that arrow? None. None. And this is why I say this plays out in, in the tension between diligence and dependence. We can disciple and train and equip and prepare our kids till we're blue in the face, and we should. But at some point, we're dependent on the Lord to carry on the work. And we just are. Right? Here's one of the footnotes, and I've got a study Bible that I, I use quite often. Here's what one of the footnotes says on this verse. It says, Our children... The fruit of our most consistent and diligent labor come from God 
are matured by God and are to be used by God. The Lord has entrusted our children to us to train, to equip, to raise up. But at the end of the day, our children are His. And so we're dependent on Him. Right? We work and strive diligently, but at the end of the day, we're still dependent on the Lord. Right? Now, sometimes this, this plays out great. Right? Sometimes uh, this looks like, you know, you, you drag your kid to church every Sunday and you raise them up in kind of what Paul says in Ephesians, the uh, discipline and instruction of the Lord. You, you imperfectly, right? We never do this perfectly. You imperfectly but consistently model what it looks like to, to love Jesus, to love the people of God. Uh, and then and sometimes, sometimes it goes great. Your kid grows up, loves the Lord, right? has a family of their own, leads their own family to, to love the Lord. Right? It's like a Hallmark movie just playing out in real life. Right? Sometimes, it's, sometimes it's beautiful. And I, for some of you, that's your story. Praise God. You don't need to feel bad about it. I hope it's my story. I hope my kids have the most boring testimonies imaginable. Right? Like we love the testimonies that are like, yeah, I was addicted to crack and then I went to prison and I killed a man in prison and then I got saved. And like we love those. I hope my kids' testimony is like, I don't remember ever not being in church. Uh, I don't remember ever not believing in Jesus. Uh, what else do you want from me? Right? I hope that's my kids' testimony. And for some of you, this is your kid's story. Like some of you that are they're a little ahead of the road from where the rest of us are in this room. Like you've seen this play out and your kids are on the right path. Praise God for that. But also know that's not every story, is it? Right, that's not every story. When some of you hear verses like Proverbs 22, 6, train up a child in the way that he or she should go, and when they're older, they will not depart from it. Some of you guys are like, well, how's that play out for me? Because I loved my baby, and I trained him or her, and I equipped, and I did the best that I could with what I had. And now I just feel like the prodigal father waiting for my kid to come home. For some of you, that's your story. So what do we do with that? Do the same thing we had to do the whole time. You depend on the Lord. You trust the Lord. They're His anyways. You've been entrusted. They've been entrusted to you for a while, but they're ultimately His. So you pray and you plead and you ask. You continue to, to plant and water and you just ask that the Lord would give the growth. All right, so here's what I want to land the plane. Here's how I kind of want to bring it to end this morning. I just want to lean in a little bit to this tension between diligence and independence. All right? So here, I'm going to ask you to do something. It's going to be a little different. It's a little out of character for me. I acknowledge that. Might be a little uh, out of the norm for you. May require a little vulnerability. But we're going to do it together. It's going to be fine. Okay? I don't want anybody to bow your heads, close your eyes. We're, gonna, we're in this together. Right? How many of you would be bold enough to acknowledge that you just, when you talk about being diligent in raising your kids, like, or, or maybe just diligent in sort of 
cultivating a relationship, your own relationship with the Lord, how many of you would be honest enough to say, I've got room to grow in that? Room to grow in diligence, right? This is, this is my hand. This is not me showing you how to raise your hand. This is your pastor's hand is up with you, okay? Okay, no, keep them up, keep them up. There you go. Gonna get a shoulder workout this morning. Got room to grow in diligence, okay? How many of you then would be bold enough to admit that you just need some help depending on the Lord? It could be like you're really early in the journey and you're like, I don't know if I could do this or not. Need the Lord's help, right? It could be that you're like in the throes of parenting and you're just like, this is exhausting work, Lord. I need your help, right? Or it could be like you're on the backside of it and you're like, I, I did the best that I could. I've, my heart is broken over my children. All right, how many, how many of that's you, that's you? Keep your hands up. Everybody, everybody, let's do this. Look around. Look at all the hands up in this room. Right, I said earlier that, the, that the, uh, this song was saying or reciting. Put your hands down now, sorry. <laughs> you guys are like, really? come on. Uh, some of you guys need, like, need Aaron, like Moses, to come hold your arm up for you, right? Um, you saw the hands up in the room. We're in this together. Right, we're in this together. None of us have got it figured out. We all need help. We all need accountability and being diligent to train and disciple and equip our kids. We need accountability and being diligent to cultivate a relationship with the Lord in our own souls. We need encouragement to one another to keep trusting, keep depending, keep asking, keep praying, keep pleading with the Lord. Right? We're in this together. We're in it together. And so here's, here's how I'm going to end this morning. I just want to pray for you. That's all I want to do. I'm just going to pray for you. Wherever you land on that spectrum, I don't know exactly uh, where you are, but I know some of your stories. It doesn't matter what I know, though. The Lord knows. He's the one we're praying to and asking to actually help us. Okay, so I'm going to pray for us. The band's going to come lead us in a, a song of response, and then I'll be down front. If you want to pray about something specifically, I'll be right down here. We'd love to pray with you. But let me pray for us as a, as a group, as a community. Uh, and then the band's going to come and we'll, we'll sing, all right? So let's pray together. Father, we come to you this morning and um, Lord, first, thank you for the gift of children. Lord, thank you for, for how they, um, Lord, reveal areas in our life that are not conformed to the image of Christ. They're, have a unique way of revealing where, uh, where we have much room to, to grow. Let's call it what it is. They have a way of revealing where we, have, um, we cling to sin in our, in our responses or in our attitudes. So Lord, we thank you that you would use them to reveal those things in us. Lord, I praise you that you give us children to, um, to help us understand in some capacity the love you have for us. Right, to, to, to look at my kids and to love them the way that I do and to know that you love me more than that. It's profound. I'm going to praise you for that. This morning, I just want to pray specifically 
before and over these men and women that kind of all over the spectrum this morning. There's, um, we talked about diligence and dependence. There's some of us, Lord, that we need help to train and disciple and equip uh, and raise our children. Lord, we just need to be reminded that this is our job as moms and dads or, or guardians. Lord, I know families look different. Families are broken. Families are not always perfect. And so, Lord, those of us in here that are entrusted with raising the next generation, would you help us to see that it is our job? It's not something we get to outsource to the church. I mean, thank you for the church. I praise you, Lord, for the men and women that give their time each and every week to pour into our kids in our nursery and our preschool and our kids ministry. I thank you for them. But Lord, help us to see this is our work. You've called us to do it as moms and dads and and guardians. Help us to be diligent in what you've called us to. Father, help us to be diligent in, in just sort of cultivating our own souls or that we would be people who love you. So that when we point our kids in a certain direction we're not hypocritical we're we're just I pray that we would be able to look at our kids and honestly say imitate me as I strive to imitate Christ help us to be diligent in our own lives this morning Lord and then Father for for those that would raise their hand and say like I just need help depending and trusting or would you help us are we just reminded in this moment of the, the father in scripture who comes to Jesus and says, God, I, I, I believe you can, can do anything, but help my unbelief. And so for those of us in the, in the throes of parenting, raising children this morning, we're just tired. It's hard work. It's good work and it's hard work. Would you help us to depend and trust in you? But for those that hear this morning that feel the pain and the anguish from watching their children, adolescent, grown children, just kind of depart from the way that they were trained, would you, would you help them to depend and trust in you, find strength in you? Would you give them the, the faith to cry out to you and plead to you and just continue when it looks dire and dark, is to continue to ask, Lord, that you would do a work in the lives of their children. And I'm praying right now that you would do a work in the lives of these children. They may be grown children, but they're still children. They have parents that, that love them. So would you pray for them? And I, I, I want to pray even for those, Lord, that, that maybe on the front side of this journey. Maybe they don't have kids yet. Maybe they're not able to have kids yet. Suffered the loss of children. I pray a special measure of your grace on them that you would, you would help them even in that season, whether it's, whether it's just a season of waiting or it's a season of, of painful remembering of what they do not yet have but they long to have. I pray that you would help them to depend on you. So Father, we 
come to you as your children. We ask you these things. We pray that you would work and move and comfort and strengthen, encourage, help us, Lord. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.